a long time ago on a podcast far, far away. Star Wars with Aaron and Polly, Episode 5, Shadow Warrior. A profound encounter awaits. Ahsoka Tano, the warrior whose path diverged from her masters, embarks on a journey through time and space. Guided by the enigmatic world between worlds, Ahsoka's destiny takes an unexpected turn. The boundaries of time blur. Master and apprentice are reunited. Anakin Skywalker assumes the mantle of mentor once more. But who will have more to teach Ahsoka? Anakin the Jedi Master, or the Dark Lord of the Sith? This is Paul. This is Wayne. And I'm Andrew. I feel like it took you a little bit there, Paul. I feel like that was a long and, you know, like it's like it's like you were trying to figure out which of your many identities you were going to claim today. Yeah, sometimes you got to figure out what podcast you're on (laughs) because we did have a surprise episode of Funny Books a week after saying we weren't going to do Funny Books. That's right. That's right. Yeah, because we got to keep those listeners on their toes. We don't want them to be complacent, comfortable. We want them always, you know, looking around the corner for what's coming yeah. next. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, yeah, we we, we talked about Batman Day because uh, mm. as of the time of this recording, Batman Day was yesterday. But Batman Day could be every day in your hearts. So if you haven't listened to that episode, Funny Books with Aaron and Polly on your favorite podcast provider, go listen right now. No, my, not right now. After this, my <laughs> cousin uh, lives and works down in Mexico. She's a school teacher. And she was telling me how on Batman Day, Mexico City lights up the sky with a bat signal. And I just think that's kind of cool. Are you serious? Yeah. Well, I mean, why does Mexico do a better Batman Day than we do in America? I, I, that is a really good question. <laughs> that is a really good question. I feel like that's something we should be exploring. I don't I think they heard have, of this. They have to make sure they're prepared for Mexican Joker. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Boy, you got to watch out for him because he's caliente. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, you know, we're going to talk about uh, Ahsoka, episode five this this week, uh, Shadow Warrior. Mm-hmm. But uh, before we do that, we want to talk about our favorite Star Wars comics. And Wayne, I know you've got an opinion on this, so let's have it. <laughs> I haven't read very many Star Wars comics. So for me, I didn't. the only ones I've really read have been since Marvel got the license. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really enjoyed Greg Peck's Darth Vader series. Mm. The one where he is Vader finds out about Luke and starts sending bounty hunters to go find him and is just as angry as can be that the emperor has kept the fact that he, 
his child is alive from him. And it's just like the anger lashes out and cracks the window on a Star Destroyer. And mm-hmm. I, f- I think that Marvel's, you know, uh, second bite at the Star Wars apple, um, you know, in this this current run that they have with Star Wars has been really successful in telling the stories between the spaces, you know, telling the stories that happen between the movies um, you wouldn't think that they would be as successful at that, but they they have had terrific writers in those mm-hmm. uh, in those series. I mean, Kieran Gillen's yeah. run it was just outstanding. I mean, don't get me yeah. wrong, Kieran Gillen's always great, but his Star Wars run is is uh, wonderful. Yeah, Jason Aaron, Greg Rucka, yeah. they got some real talents on some of those books. Yeah, well, it's okay. it's the the Marvel heavy hitters. I mean, you know, that they, they they've what do they used to call them? The architects of the Marvel universe. Yeah, the Marvel uh, architects. I remember that. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think the only one we didn't get is Bendis. I don't think Bendis wrote a Star Wars book. Thank goodness. <laughs> remember That's when we, we used to love that guy? I do remember when we loved some yeah. before he went over to DC <laughs> Comics and shit the bed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But I, I, I Wayne, I, I actually agree with you. I, you know, I have been reading Star Wars comics for a long time, and I, I loved a lot of the stuff that uh, Dark Horse published way back in the day. Yeah. Like you know, for for a minute, I was like, maybe it's Dark Empire, right? You know, Dark Empire was as pivotal to my return to my Star Wars love as Heir to the Empire was, right? You know, Dark Empire was kind of the comic that was published around the same time as the Timothy Zahn novels. Um, Different stories. This is more like Luke's temptation to the dark side. Um, The Last Temptation of Skywalker. The Last Temptation of Skywalker. (laughs) Um, And I, I remember loving Dark Empire when it came out and, you know, a lot of what Dark Horse did was actually really good. Shadows of the Empire and, and you know, they had this whole, you know, continuity, the Old Republic and all that stuff that they were publishing. But I think for me, the the stories that really captured the feel of the original trilogy um, was those the, that basically those that first year of when Marvel got um, the Star Wars license again back in 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, the, the the first Jason Aaron um, run on on that, you know, the new Star Wars book that's set between between New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, I think, is when the that first series was set, which was published mm-hmm. simultaneously with the Kieran Gillen Darth Vader book, which introduced Dr. Aphra, who's probably my favorite Star Wars character introduced. In and the, the murder droids. And the murder droids, BT and Triple Zero. Uh-huh, and so them. much good came out of those books. And, and you know, Aaron, you mentioned that a lot of these stories are, are kind of between between the scenes uh-huh. of, of the Star Wars movies. And I feel like that worked at first. Now right. it works a little less for me because right. yep. it's like, wow, there's feels like feels like a lot happened <laughs> <laughs> that no one ever said or, you know, but they're really trying not to break continuity. Um, well, but first started it really did work for me and i think that's what i i agree i mean i i feel like it 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 worked when you had your initial run you know between uh new hope and empire and empire and return of the jedi Mm -hmm. and i feel like the next thing that works in that series is when dr afra gets her own series yeah, because you know, that's so by Kieran Gillen and yep. Kev Walker, who, you know, yeah. we we you, we talked a lot about Kev Walker on our other podcast because he drew a Predator 
recent Predator yeah. comic book. Yep. Um, and yeah, just his alien designs and stuff like that. And just Kieran Gillen and Kev Walker on that Dr. Afra book was it's saying for me. Well, and I, what I, what I have to say, and these are not my, my picks for favorite, by the way, but I, I do have to say that the original characters, BT triple zero, the two murder droids and Dr. Afra are, were such breaths of fresh air, uh, mm-hmm. coming into star Wars because you're like, okay, we don't know who these guys are. And, you know, their future outcomes are unwritten. You know, we don't know what happens yeah. to them. And I mean, I, I just love when the lens shifts to those characters. So we're not having to plug, you know, well, where's Luke in this moment? And, you know, what about Leia? And, you know, so, I mean, I just I love that, you know, putting new characters into uh, the setting uh, for us to enjoy a different perspective in a galaxy far, far away. Well, and being side characters, you didn't have to worry about having too much that the main characters are doing. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, you know, they, they touched on the main characters, like Ahsoka, you know, obviously working for Darth Vader, but not in a way that felt like, seems weird that Vader never brought her back up. Because you right. know, the way the story <laughs> was written, it's like, okay, I get it. Like, she was a part of Vader's life for a short period of time, worked for him, but not in the same way as, like, an apprentice would you know that kind of thing so i mean yeah i think that that kieran gillen jason aaron era of star wars uh really as much as i've I've been reading star wars comics for damn near for you know (laughs) since the 80s um that one got me you know it really did capture the feel for me how about you well you, you 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 talked about the, you know, Dark Horse books and uh, my choice is a Dark Horse book. And I got to say, you know, I am infrequently a fan of licensed properties and comics because so many times it's just, you know, hey, look, we're drawing a, you know, Star Wars comic or hey, look, we're drawing a Star Trek comic. And a lot of times the stories just don't hit. Um, But I. I really enjoyed what Dark Horse did uh, in the Star Wars space. And I was deeply concerned when the property shifted to Marvel, which made sense, you know, because Disney owns Star Wars now and owns Marvel. And, you know, that all made sense to me. But I was just really concerned, like, you know, why would you want to shift away from Dark Horse? They're doing such a phenomenal job. And one of the things they did is something that I really deeply enjoy. Um, and it is the Star Wars. And it is I remember that. Yeah. The the comic, the eight issue comic based on George Lucas's very earliest rough draft of Star Wars. And so you've got a lot of the names and places, but none of them are right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've got you've got uh, you know, Kane Starkiller. And, you know, his two sons, his youngest, who looks an awful lot like the Luke Skywalker we know, dies in like the first three pages of the book. Uh, And his son, Anakin, who he turns over to Luke Skywalker, who is not a a young moisture farmer, uh, who is rather an, you know, a very mature uh, white haired Jedi. Um, It's just really interesting to see where Lucas was. Uh, in crafting his story and seeing it, you know, with all of the, you know, rough edges. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, the we always hear that Star Wars was inspired by Lucas's love for Flash Gordon 
And the look of the Star Wars is very much a Flash Gordon type of story, uh, really scratching that very pulpy uh, s- sensibility. I, I I find this book really enjoyable. Now, it is not a great story <laughs> because it was very, it was a very early draft, but the ideas are there, and just being able to kind of you know chart the course from where he started to where he landed is fascinating. Uh, and the artwork is breathtaking. I love the, the artwork in this book. So I, that's my recommendation is The Star Wars. And while it was originally published by uh, Dark Horse, it is available from Marvel under their Legends banner. Yeah, I love that all that stuff from Dark Horse is actually still available. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, at, a lot of, at, you know, it's part of the Legends imprint. A lot of companies don't do that when the licenses shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it is thrilling to me that just about everything is available uh, yep. that w- that was printed uh, by Dark Horse. You know that they, they they have made no bones about making the Legends material available. So, Andrew, what do you think? What's your what's your favorite Star Wars comic? Well, it may shock you, but but the movie A New Hope was not my first exposure to Star Wars. My actual first exposure to Star Wars was the 1977 comic book uh, by Roy Thomas and Howard Jakin. Uh, so, you know, uh, I, I was born roughly when New Hope came out. So I didn't go and see it on VHS uh, until I was quite a bit older, um, you know, uh, maybe six, seven. Uh, so before that, we had, I think for my brother, had several, maybe about a dozen issues of the Star Wars comic book from that era. So he that had the era. floppies. He had the uh-huh. floppies, not the, not the great big treasury edition, the oversized no. treasury edition. Yeah. Okay. No, he had the the floppies. He had the first six. I remember that because that was basically the re uh, retelling of New Hope. And then mm-hmm. he had several after that, which kind of focused on Chewie and uh, Han Solo out there doing 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 what they do. Uh, and you know, so I would, uh, even before I could read, I, I remember flipping through these, uh, pages and just kind of looking at all the beautiful artwork uh, on the page mm-hmm. and just being fascinated with, you know, lightsabers and blasters and, uh, you know, uh, X-wings and whatnot. So, uh, I, I just love the original series. The art was fantastic. And, uh, I guess I couldn't really talk about it after about the first dozen issues, but, uh, it was it was kind of a, a I think really one of the very first influences in my life that got me interested in science fiction. You know, we have Howard Chaikin to thank for Star Wars comics because Marvel didn't want to do it, and he's yep. like, mm-hmm. no, no, I've I've seen I've seen you know some of the the materials from the film, I've seen the script, we've got to do this, and you know he he really kind of put it on the line there to you know get marvel to jump in and create this relationship between star wars and comic books one originally originally they wanted it uh published before the movie came out to help generate publicity for the movie right right and and then because stan lee was like balking at it it didn't come out till right about when the movie movie came out yeah it's it's funny you know stan lee just didn't really get it you know uh but you know roy thomas and howard shaken were on it like ducks on a June bug. Um, and the, I, I think that it is, it is a, I've never heard that metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, the, the artwork is so iconic. Um, you know, I don't care. Yeah. You know, I, I don't care for the way Howard Chaikin's style has morphed over the years, yeah. but there is yeah. something so pure about the way he draws, uh, the star Wars story. 
And I, I mean, it informed a lot of my doodling as a child, uh, the way he drew lightsabers, the way he drew those ships. Uh, I just, I, 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 I love that, that era of star Wars storytelling. Absolutely. And, and, he means doodling as in drawing. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Do, are those things available in uh, in yeah. in print? Those those yep. those old comics? Yeah, probably in those Legends editions, the Omnibus yes. editions. I have to yep. look. Yeah, I, so I believe they are. I, I, out there I, comic I know form. that they're available digitally because I, I see them all the time and uh, on Comicsology. But uh, yes, I believe they are available in print. Well, you um, know, they they end up making 108 issues. Yeah. Well, I can't I imagine re- what they talked about for 108 issues when they were mainly doing their own storylines. I know they did, uh, you know, they did Empire Strikes Back kind of in the 30s or 40s, but uh, I can't, I just, uh, I'd be curious to see what some of those storylines look like compared to what we think of as the uh, canon today. I well, had wouldn't have had Jackson if it weren't for those comics. That's what I was going to say. Because <laughs> he's, the, he's the big green bunny, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that, that apparently George Lucas hated. Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> and I know they told them they weren't allowed to move the relationship forward between Luke and Leia. Yeah, when I was doing yeah. a little, you know, checking dates and names on this, there was three things that uh, Lucas Arts basically told them they couldn't do with the comic book. One was to create a love story between uh, Luke and Leia. Uh, and then after that, what was the other one? Uh, they couldn't use Darth Vader in it, and then they couldn't do it, talk about the Clone Wars. Well, that's really tying your hands, isn't it? <laughs> so it was, it was like the three <laughs> things that they told the uh, Marvel that they couldn't do with, uh, with the book and the storylines. That's just kind of the risk of doing licensed uh, licensed comics, right? Because, right. like, hey, there is a plan. You just can't really screw with it. But, hey, you know, that that's actually probably a good segue. You know, you mentioned the Clone Wars to uh, to this week's Ahsoka. Because we, we got some Clone Wars flashbacks in this week's episode. Yeah. So actually, before we get into the 2D, I have a question. You know, they they aired this episode on select theaters across the world. Do you after, now having seen the the episode? Do you feel like it was worthy of being screened on? I don't. On, uh, me neither. Yeah. I I, yeah. I I mean, I feel like the you know we were speculating last week that well, it's going to have Anakin in it, and of course we're going to see uh, Admiral Thrawn. Yep. I'm sorry, Grand Admiral Thrawn. <laughs> and uh, I it, clearly it was just the, the the novelty of having, you know, Hayden Christensen back uh, that warranted it going to theaters. And I will maintain that they should have done the first two episodes. Well, you uh, guys know I'm not a big fan of theaters, but I do think the uh, like all of the Clone Wars combat around them mm-hmm. would have been good in a theater those particular scenes mm-hmm. yeah i just I, I just didn't feel like it, it was in i don't feel like i missed anything by not seeing it in theaters i will yeah. say you know i mean yeah. i could see if i saw it in theaters i would probably be like impressed visually because dave filoni really did have a cinematic eye in directing this episode gave me a lot of faith for his future star wars movie yeah. um but i don't feel like i missed anything necessarily by not seeing it in theaters well um, i don't I, I, I hear what you're saying, Wayne, but I don't feel like the 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 Clone Wars scenes 
were cinematic enough in scope to warrant a theatrical release. I mean, yeah, I thought they were they were nice looking, but uh, I I truly feel like episodes one and two were much more cinematic than episode five. Yeah, I I will say to Paul's comment about not feeling like missing in theaters. I think if I hadn't seen the episode, I don't feel like I would have missed anything. Agreed. Yeah, I, this was it really felt like it was just a filler episode. Yep. I, you know, a lot of people are loving this episode. And I think, you know, it's a lot of it's nostalgia. Really, it's yeah. nostalgia, right? You get yeah. the Hayden Christensen stuff. And you I get Rex. Yeah, you get Cat and Rex. You know, you get you get a lot of cool, you know, flashbacks and stuff for me. And I feel like I'm maybe a dissenting. Well, maybe not. It sounds like we're, we're kind of all aligned on here for me. I feel like I struggle a little bit for with with this episode because for me it's it is a preaching to the choir kind of episode Uh uh-huh and i guess if you're if you are watching this series you have to have some semblance of ahsoka like i don't feel like you could just watch mandalorian book of boba fett and hop into here and be like this is the next logical series you know i feel like this is very much and we've talked about this before but i feel like this is very much tied to clone wars and rebels but I feel like this episode was where it tipped the scale for me of like, God, you would be totally lost if you didn't have, you know, like if you only saw Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, you'd be like, wait, Ahsoka and Anakin work together in the in the Clone Wars? <laughs> like, I didn't know that. You know, like it, it is such a heavy reliance on prior knowledge and the battles that they show, like the Siege of Mandalore, um, you know, the, the the world between worlds. Like this is all tied to continuity from those comic, or excuse me, from those cartoon series in a way that I feel is limiting for a broader audience, but on the flip side is a broader audience watching a show about Ahsoka. I don't know. Um, I, I am not that broader audience. I am very much acknowledged in all these things, but I, but I'm watching it. I'm like, wow, like this is not new reader friendly. This, this episode very specifically. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not, I mean, it does require a lot on, on backstory to make a lot of sense, but I mean, I was watching with my wife. My wife has never seen clone wars or, uh, rebels. Uh, she's otherwise pretty well up to date on Star Wars, and and so she was. I did have to explain a little about the war, uh, world between worlds, worlds to her. Now that's hard to say, world between worlds. Uh, but you know, she still seemed to enjoy it. She didn't, uh, you know, poo poo it when we were done talking. I was done watching when we were talking about it. So, so when when you were explaining the world between worlds to yeah. uh, your wife, and you were saying, you know, the Force connects us all simultaneously throughout the galaxy did did the did the music come up while you were doing it <laughs> no i think her eyes got a little glazed over but no 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 music no music did uh, she start questioning certain life decisions so she was like so it's like it's like the ethereal plane i was like well maybe kind of um but yeah, I mean, she still seemed to enjoy it. She likes, you know, she's aware that Ahsoka and Anakin have have a relationship from us just talking about the character in the past. So I don't know. I, I do think you won't get as much. I do feel like I really wish the thing I was looking for is that Anakin was trying to teach Ahsoka a lesson. Right. And it seemed like, you know, she obviously passed whatever test he was trying to teach her uh, but i really would have liked to see what that lesson was like like do you any yeah. of you really have a good understanding of what he was trying to teach her during that sequence of events no it felt like he was there just attacking her until she chose to live which she already wanted to do it i never got what the lesson's supposed to be or why he's there to teach it to her 
Yeah, Honestly, it seemed like he was trying to motivate her, like, hey, you know, the, the, how Ahsoka got her groove back. But at no point <laughs> in the series does it feel like Ahsoka has lapsed in her faith. Right. So it was, it, it was interesting that it's like Anakin has to train her to to want to be a, you know, to, to want for more when we haven't, I haven't felt like she's lost her faith. Uh-huh. Yeah, she doesn't seem like she's, you know, uh, just malaised and fatigued and, like, ready to give up in this series. I, I haven't yeah. felt that from her. But, I mean, it is. It's it's basically, you know, I guess her her limbo, like, you know, fight for your life kind of moment. I will say the Anakin stuff, for me, I was like, this very much left me in a place of, I really want to see more Hayden Christensen. And yeah. that's that's an odd thing for me to say, <laughs> given <laughs> given my feelings about his his acting, you know, when he was young. Um, well, but the, the little bit that he's done since, it's like wow, like he, he, it's I like the way he's portraying Anakin, and he especially in this episode now, um, you know, it wasn't a whiny bratty Anakin. This was an Anakin with you know who had fun. It was cool seeing his lightsaber fighting style again because um, he has a very distinct lightsaber fighting style from the prequel trilogy so i was like ah i kind of want to see more anakin now why well, I, I did love that part where he was walking away during uh one of the clone war scenes and you know it's him with his his lightsaber and then there's a flash of light and then it's vader with his red saber mm-hmm. and then there's a flash of light and it's back to his outline Ah, oh, so good yeah it was nicely done it was nicely done and i will say i i i am not a hayden christensen fan in his uh star wars outings but i I didn't hate him here. Um, I, I there there was part of me like, hey, look, he can smile. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think directors matter. I, I completely agree, and yeah. I do blame his performance in the prequels on the direction. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it, for anybody to say, hey, you know, you're going to really play one note through this whole thing. Um, you know, just is not a learned, uh, skilled, able director. Um, and clearly, you know, uh, Filoni knows how to get the performances that he's looking for. Um, so, the, you know, there were, th- the, there were things that I enjoyed about his performance here, um, but I just don't feel like there was enough meat on the script, on the bone of the script, no. to warrant, uh, I don't know, this, this felt like it could have been maybe 20 minutes addition, in addition to last week's show. Um, and I feel like it really has kind of moved the cheese because you did feel like you were going to see Thrawn this time. And I, you know, and now we're going to be in the, the last, what, four episodes of the season. Uh, Three, you know, four, cause there's only eight, right? six, seven, eight. Oh yeah, yeah you're, you're right. So it just I you know, didn't it, feel like it moved the story forward in no. any way. I, I would have liked I would have liked to see more you're having this epic, you know, out of body near death experience. I would like to see some sort of epic realization come to Ahsoka out of it. Mm-hmm. But all I really got out of it was that it's okay to make mistakes even though you're a Jedi. And do you really <laughs> having a Padawan is hard. <laughs> that's really <laughs> that's really what I got out of that that yeah. whole sequence. Agreed. Yeah, I didn't pick up any particular Jedi wisdom. No, but I, no, I, I got to say, I, I do feel like there's not a whole lot of Jedi wisdom. I mean, I think if nine movies have showed us anything, it's that the Jedi, not particularly wise. Well, and if there is Jedi wisdom, it's not going to come from Anakin. <laughs> right. 
Right. Well, I did really see enjoy like like much like Aaron, I really enjoyed seeing uh, Hayden Christian on the screen and and seeing him back. And so like the action sequences were great, the Clone War action was great. Uh, seeing Captain Rex for five seconds was great. Uh, seeing the Purge of Mandalore uh, was fantastic. But so I did enjoy kind of that fan service. But yeah, I didn't feel like right. there was a whole lot uh, to the to the to the storyline to move things along. So let me ask this. Because, you know, with the exception of what I saw in Rebels, I'm not I'm not that familiar with this world between worlds and what the rules are there. Are we given to understand that the Anakin who appears to Ahsoka in Episode five is Anakin post Return of the Jedi or is it Anakin from a different period in his life? So I think it's open to interpretation, but I will say for me. I felt like it wasn't Anakin at all. Um, you know, the world between worlds, at least as it was portrayed in Rebels, was, you know, like this convergence point, right? Right. This kind of seemed a little bit more like she's in limbo and she's seeing Anakin like as a product of her her mind and her memory. Right. Um, I, don't, I didn't I don't know that I left that thinking that's Force Ghost Anakin because it would have to be post Return of the Jedi, given how the episode ended. Right. Um well, it doesn't doesn't the the world between worlds exist kind of outside of time though? It's yeah. a quantum state, so all times are happening simultaneously. Yeah, right? so. to be honest, I, guess I just don't know that I felt it was Anakin at all. Yeah, you know, I would it, feel yeah. like the whole That's thing fair. happened in her head if uh, Jason hadn't heard the lightsaber right. fight. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I I really thought. I mean, you know, when we were in the world between worlds, I thought that's how she was going to get to the other galaxy. I, I thought, thought so too, but I did. You know, even though. It made the whole episode a bit of a waste uh-huh. <laughs> um, and the whole map thing a bit of a waste. The fact uh-huh. that, you know, the, should they use the the Purgle, I think, um, are the name of those things, the space whales. Yeah. To get, I mean, I I did like that that's what happened, given that's what ha- that's how Ezra got to the other galaxy. Right. But it was kind of interesting. It's like, oh, well, I mean, could have just done that all along. Right. Well, I mean, I think the idea of trying to use your force powers to commune with a intergalactic space whale to maybe hopefully take you where you want to go out of all the other possible galaxies is definitely kind of a long shot. <laughs> but it's been done because that's what Ezra did. It is. But you're trying to get to the exact same spot that he went to, not a different yeah. galaxy. Ezra uh, was also particularly skilled at speaking with animals and creatures. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I've. I feel like it was a decent fallback, but I kind of agree. I kind of thought they, she was going to get there between the world between worlds, which would have been a cool way to arrive at the new galaxy, perhaps even ahead of, um, of the bad guys. Yeah, that's that was my thinking as well. But yeah. interesting. And maybe that's how they get back. Who knows? Well, and of course, coming up, we have to see Thrawn the next episode. We just have to. Maybe, maybe not. Stop. You know, it. I mean, they, they're setting up. <laughs> you know, they are setting up for. They, they are clearly setting up for for the movie. So the question is, you know, is Thrawn like how much Thrawn are we going to get here, or is it basically just set up? Yeah, are we going to get full yeah. Thrawn or just the tip? Well, he has yeah. to get back to our galaxy uh, before the movie, I would think. So I think we're going to see Thrawn, and we're going to see him get back to our galaxy, I, I think. I predict we get him at the end of the next episode, and then we get two episodes with Thrawn. Yeah, we definitely, towards- I definitely would agree with you, Aaron, that if we see him next episode, it's not going to be near the beginning. It's going just to be, tip. yep, just the, <laughs> just, the, just the back of the head, just a little head. <laughs> 
<laughs> Wayne, was there some rum in your coffee this morning? <laughs> no, going. not at all. Okay. <laughs> well, anything else about uh, episode five, guys? No, I you're going to say something on episode five. But we, I'm looking forward to the last three. You know, I feel like um, everything that we've seen so far has been building to to what we're supposed to get in this next episode. So. Yeah. We'll see. We'll we'll see. As hopefully we'll see Ezra and Thrawn. If you guys are right by the end of this next episode, I hope so. I hope so. Very exciting. Well, hey, we want to know what you thought about this week's episode of Ahsoka. Also, let us know what your favorite Star Wars comic is. Give us a shout at Star Wars at IOMGeek.com. And if we use your message on a future show, you could win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up with your thoughts at IOM Geek on Facebook, Instagram, and X. And also, uh, thanks to our listeners who are leaving us reviews on your favorite podcast provider. If you haven't done so yet, that definitely helps us out. So please do so. Thanks a bunch. We'll do, we'll do it all over again next week, guys. See you then. Meet you in the podcast between podcasts. <laughs> <laughs>